Well, friends, it's good to be with you today. Thank you for making worship a priority. My name's Adam, if we haven't met, and I just love being one of the pastors here. I spent a few days in down in Texas this week at a continuing education group I'm a part of, and it was as hot down there as it was here. I was like, what's going on? But it was, it's, it was good to be away, but it just really feels good to be back. I think John Denver said to the place uh, you belong. So I hope you feel that way today too. Uh, this could be together in God's presence. I want to start off with a little participation if I can. I want to name uh, some iconic suits and you yell out who it belongs to. Ready? First up, what do we got? Wonder Woman. Very good. See, I'm, I'm not trying to trick you, okay? Wonder Woman. Next up. Yeah, very good. Another famous suit wearer. Who we got here? Yes, looking smooth. Very good. And my personal favorite. Where is my super suit? Frozone. Frozone. Oh, you guys are good. I thought that might be tricky. That's Frozone from uh, The Incredibles. And I watched the YouTube clip five times. Where is my super suit? Oh, my gosh. I love it so much. Uh, so in the series called Suit Up, we're looking at the battles of life uh, and, and the battles we fight. How does our faith help us face these? And how does our faith shape our response to the battles that we encounter. What I hope we'll discover together as we study God's word is that we put on the armor of God in advance so we can advance. We'll be unpacking what I mean by that. I, I, there's a trend I've, I've kind of noticed somewhat recently and, and I don't know if I love it. Uh, and, and it's that, <laughs> don't get ahead of me. Someone read my sermon last night. Uh, a lot of worship songs have to deal with battles, like a lot of violent imagery. I'm going there. That's right. Um, fighting, violence, things like I'm going to see a victory. Uh, there's a Phil Wickham song, The Battle is Yours. Um, old school, The Battle Hymn of the Republic. So this isn't a new thing. In the song Defender, this is one of the lyrics, very controversial. Here's the lyrics to a song that we've sang in here. You go before... I know that you're, you've gone to win my war. You come back with the head of my enemy. We sang that in here and I was like, you know, nothing gets me in the presence of God quite like decapitation. You know, like we're, we've got a nice guillotine here today in order to show us. Now this is based on a psalm, so it's, it's biblical. But I, I was thinking about this kind of trend and I, I realized that maybe I've just had a pretty easy life. Because the reason these songs are applicable is a lot of times life really is like a battle. And I don't, I don't you know, today is going to be a little different than, than uh, typical for me at least because we're just going to talk a lot about good and evil and the devil and the fights that we're all facing. Uh, in many ways, life is a battle. We battle against diagnoses and disease. We battle addiction, we battle apathy, uh, we battle raising our children to follow God in a cruel world, we battle trading our God-given calling for comfort, swapping those in, uh, we battle injustice and institutions that are untrustworthy and unjust, we battle measuring our worth by all sorts of other things besides what God says. So we could go on and on. I mean, I never know 
we, we could have like a special prayer or kind of reorient the worship service around something terrible that's happened every week. I mean, that stuff in Buffalo, I, I don't even know how, 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 to, how to deal with all this stuff sometimes. And so who or what are the battles of life against and how can we fight them well? That's the point of this series called Suit Up. We gotta suit up and put on the armor of God. Now this will give you a window into my upbringing. When I was young, I actually had an armor of God playset. This is a real thing. And so if you too were raised in this Christian environment, we're gonna have a support group right after worship. We can, we can dress up together, it'll be great. <laughs> so the concept of the armor of God comes from Ephesians 6. And the author Paul is, is writing to encourage the community of Christians living in Ephesus, that's an ancient Greek city. So that's why it's called the, uh, the letter to the Ephesians. And it's important to know that Paul wrote this letter while he was in prison. So every word takes on like a new weight because he, he was doing it. He was suffering for the cause of Christ, for what he believed. So we'll start in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So whatever abilities we have access to, whatever strength we might uh, have to fight these battles, it comes from God. And so that's good news, that you don't have to muster the gumption on your own in order to fight these battles. Be strong, not in your own effort, but in the Lord, we read, and in his mighty power. So the question then is, okay, how do we receive it? How do I gain access to this power, the stamina? So Paul offers a metaphor. Now it's impossible to say, but again, he wrote this in jail. And so it may very well have been that while under the inspiration of the spirit, Paul sees his Roman jailer standing guard in all his gear and says, that'll work. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So we said earlier that our strength comes from God. It comes from outside of us. Well, so does our opposition. It's, it comes from outside of us a lot of times. The schemes of the devil, evil influences in this world. John Wesley described them like this. Wicked spirits who continually oppose faith, love, holiness, either by force or fraud, and labor to infuse malice, envy, anger, and hatred. So the active forces that we experience come from beyond just our are mortal things that we may be able to perceive in the heavenly realms. And so the battles of life take place in our world, uh, but the origin of these evil powers comes from beyond what we can commonly comprehend. See, we don't talk a whole lot about the devil and the origins of evil around here. I, I, don't, I don't think we need a lot of help uh, to be caught up in sin, uh, but there's a lot more at work than we can readily see. And, and the, the space we have together today is not even gonna scratch the surface on this topic. But we experience horrible, evil things in real life in our mortal flesh and blood, but they're symptomatic of a much larger spiritual reality. And so we must, if, if, these, if these oppositional forces are of a spiritual nature, 
then we must be prepared to face these powers on a spiritual level. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. So the word stand, we we read twice here. I don't know if you noticed that. In English, we have it translated the same way, but there's some nuances in the original language, which was Greek. There are two different words. The first uh, is the word anthistomy, which means to oppose or resist. Stand, resist, oppose. And the second is related. It's got a similar root word, but that's histomy, meaning to face and withstand with courage. So what can we do in order to oppose the schemes of the devil and to resist the dark powers of this world and face them with courage? This image of the armor of God is a metaphor for us to be prepared when the day of evil comes. Not if the day of evil comes, when. You know, there's a version of Christianity out there that once you say yes to Jesus, life suddenly becomes easier. I would say it's the opposite in a lot of ways. I don't know if you've discovered that. Easier in some, but trickier in others. So this isn't if opposition is going to find you, if the battle is going to find you, but when. And we do this, we put on the armor of God as an act of preparation. See, see if, if, if the villain attacks and Iron Man doesn't have the suit built, he's vulnerable. Right? If, if Wonder Woman doesn't have her shield and all the good stuff... If she isn't ready to suit up when trouble strikes, it might be too late. James Bond needs the smooth suit, probably not bought at Men's Warehouse, that makes me sad. (laughs) James Bond needs the suit and the gadgets before he goes undercover. See, we have to do these things in advance. We have to do it in advance, otherwise it might be too late. And so we put on the armor of God in advance of the battle. So let's get into it, and we'll hear that word stand again. What is the armor of God? We're going to cover two today. Stand firm then, there it is, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place. The belt of truth. In first century Roman armor, the belt would be fastened to hold up other elements of the armor. You could attach your weapons to it a lot of times. So in many ways, the belt secured your armor. As Christians, it's imperative that we are secure in the truth. The belt of truth, this is what secures us. Jesus referred to himself as the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus also said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So in each of these verses, the belt of truth Jesus saying he is the truth and that we can know the truth and the truth will set us free. I went crazy on my Greek software this week, people, because those words are all the same. And it's this, aletheia, that's the Greek word for truth. And it means dependably consistent with reality. Dependably consistent with reality. I am the truth, Jesus said. You can depend on me and I am real. So we must secure ourselves daily in the truth of Jesus in order to resist the devil's schemes. And here's the thing about the armor Paul describes. We can infer some things about our opposition based on what we need to oppose them. 
See what I mean? We need the belt of truth because the Bible says the devil is a liar. We read this in John 8. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So for me, the belt of truth kind of symbolizes or sums up the battle of the mind. How do we decide, what are, what are we thinking is true? How do we perceive reality? What voices are we allowing to inform us of what is dependably consistent with reality? The devil's schemes are full of lies and the spiritual forces in this world deal in lies. And here's the thing, like if, if the source of lies were in red tights with a pitchfork, we would be like, oh, okay, that's clearly bad. All right, we get that. But there, it's much sneakier than that. It's much more insidious. It's much more subtle. These lies come in many forms. You know, that you're only worth what you produce. I was thinking about from the time we're young, all the acronyms that we use to measure ourselves, starting when we're children. Your GPA, your ACT, and as you get older, your AGI, adjusted gross income. <laughs> I, hope, I hope you're impressed. We have all these acronyms to measure ourselves. And that's the lie that says you're only worth what you produce. Other lies, like no matter what, you'll always be defined by that awful thing you did. Or if you can just afford this one thing, you'll finally be happy. Or you'll never measure up, so, so why try? Why sacrifice for others? It's not gonna make a difference. All this God stuff, it's not real. Live your truth. It's not real. We absorb these things maybe directly, but often indirectly. We, we, we absorb them. We're, it's, like, it's like the water we're swimming in our society all the time. The nature of truth has, has been a human question for every generation. But, but we live in an age that I don't think this is worse, but we do have tools to make misinformation or mistruth more widespread. So we live in an age where truth can easily be hidden and other things masquerading as truth. Did anybody see this meme? Did you see this quote? Going from Mahomes to Tua, that's Tyreek Hill was traded to the Miami Dolphins. His new quarterback is Tua. Going from Mahomes to Tua is like going from a Ferrari to a used 2001 Honda Civic. <laughs> now here's why this is insidious, because that could be true. Here, let's keep, keep that up for a second, my man. If you all have seen any stuff on social media or any posts, doesn't this look legitimate? I mean, it, it's like the same kind of cool graphic and all of that. There is no way that Tyreek Hill showed up to his first press conference to trash his quarterback. There's no, but it looks real. And so at first glance, you're like, oh, I can't believe you said that. 
then you're like, Tyreek, come home. <laughs> but that, see, this is why it's hard, because it looks legit. Now, friends, you know I had to pick something safe, okay? I'm smarter than to come in here with some of the two Ps we've been dealing with, politics and pandemic. But in the past couple years, misinformation and, and outright lies are rampant, rampant, and we're so susceptible to them. So friends, I'm here to tell you, just because some joker tweeted it or blogged it or memed it does not mean it's true. Just because we want something to be true doesn't mean it's true. We, the misinformation is, is everywhere, is everywhere. So before I get going on a real healthy rant, let me take a step back. We need to ask ourselves when we, when we see something to consider the source and ask, is this dependably consistent with reality? And when it comes to the things we're gonna engage in, the things we're gonna engage with, what we put forward as truth, we have to ask ourselves, is this consistent with Jesus' teaching? Otherwise, we're part of it. Hard to put on the belt of truth when you're swimming in lies. We're part of the problem. In this way, if we ask ourselves, is this dependably consistent with reality and is this consistent with Jesus' teaching, we can put on the belt of truth daily and we can stand firm against the lies that try to destabilize us in the battle of the mind. Now, we're going to have a whole Sunday devoted to um, later what we'll read as uh, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So we'll, this, this whole deal is, is kind of a complete package. So we'll come back to how scripture informs us of truth, and we're going to get into all of that. But today, let's just focus on the belt of truth and the battle that takes place in our mind because it's one that, is, that wages daily. When we're secure in the truth, we can then stand firm and put on the next piece of the armor of God that's described, the breastplate of righteousness. Roman soldiers were renowned in the ancient world uh, for their ferocity, for their effectiveness, for their training, their tactics. Uh, the breastplate covered the chest and it was typically made of leather and metal. And Roman soldiers were trained uh, to fight in formation, side by side, and to face forward. So the breastplate didn't cover your back because you, you weren't turning around. You only moved forward. And I love this image of the breastplate of righteousness because this armor would protect all your vital organs, especially your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And so if the belt of truth helps us in the battle of our mind, the breastplate of righteousness is there to aid us in the battle against sin. The word righteousness is, is a biblically loaded one. Honestly, I, I told Sarah that I, I wonder if we should have had one for each of these because again, we're just barely gonna scratch the surface. But in the context of, of this armor of God, the, the concept of righteousness, it means our standing before God. In other words, does our righteousness, does the things we've done or not done, allow us to meet the requirements of God's perfect character? I have bad news and good news. The bad news is it does not. This is from uh, another one of Paul's letters, Romans 3.11. There is no one righteous, not even one. 
Pretty comprehensive, isn't it? That's why it's a good thing that the armor of God is provided for us, that it comes to us outside of our own effort. And that's why our standing with God doesn't depend, this is the good news, that our standing with God doesn't depend on what we have done for God, but on what God has done through us, for us, through Jesus Christ. We read this in Romans 3 also. Righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And so righteousness is not a requirement of God's grace. In other words, you don't have to be at some certain level for God to finally accept you or love you. Grace is given to us as a gift, not based on merit. It's the opposite of all those letters, right? All the acronyms, that ain't how God works. It's given to us based on grace and faith. So righteousness is not a requirement to accept God's grace. But here's a distinct thing about Methodism. We believe that righteousness is a response to God's grace. And so after you've been loved, accepted, chosen, we then live our lives as a response to God's grace. Not because we need it to earn it, but because we just can't help but grow in love and obedience to God. And so putting on the breastplate of righteousness is a daily commitment to do what is right, to hold to Jesus' teaching. And we need the truth of Jesus and the righteousness of Jesus to protect the motivation of our hearts so we don't turn to sin. In the battle against sin, everything good in our lives can be collateral damage. Here's some more bad news. Each of us are only one mistake away from ruin. I am so glad that social media was not out when I was like 17. I mean, it's just, we're on the edge of a knife sometimes. It's so fragile. We're only one mistake away from ruin. That's why we need to be proactive in our devotion to Jesus, holding to his teaching, letting him shape the desires of our hearts and not the spiritual forces of evil. You know, I've, I've, I don't think I've ever actually met anyone that is opposed to Jesus or had anything bad to say about Jesus. I really haven't. What people do have problems with is Christians who say one thing and do another, uh, who profess one thing about what we believe, but then our life does not align. That's what people have a problem with. Not Jesus, but his followers. Friends, this kills, it kills any credible witness we have to a skeptical world. It's just wrecked. This is why we must put on the armor of God in advance, before temptations come, before we fall victim to the devil's schemes. We put on the armor of God in advance and we do this so we can advance. We put on the armor of God in advance so we can advance. And here's what I mean by that. Again, the breastplate of righteousness, it didn't have a back. There's no armor for your back because there's no turning back. They were designed to help Roman soldiers advance, not retreat. And so we must devote ourselves daily to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power that he supplies. And when we do this, we can advance. It may be slow going, amen? It may be slow going, 
but we can advance in faith, in maturity, and in holiness. That, the fancy word for that is called sanctification. That this is a sanctuary, this is a holy space, same idea, that you, yourself, your body, your heart, could be a space that God would inhabit and make holy. And we grow in that our whole life. But how? Well, I have, I have two thoughts on how we can start. How can we advance in God's kingdom? How can we stand strong and be courageous? So we'll be talking about this for the next four weeks. But for today, I would offer you a verse and a prayer. So this verse is from Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9. And I think you'll see why it's a good one for us to keep in mind. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Those were Paul's, some of his final words to a Christian community in another city. But what a list, right? Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. What if we began our day committed to having those things in our mind? We start the battle of the mind off right. And everyone who knows me will tell you, I am not a morning person. Frankly, what time is it? 10, 18? Okay, now I'm good. I fake it before 10 when I'm here. I just, that's why we got to do these things before we start. We got to set the battle of the mind before all the opposition comes. And then Paul says, we put those things into practice. Every day, it's like these tiny little decisions we make. Am I going to engage in the trash talk or the gossip besides Tua and the dolphins? Sorry. Am, am I going to engage in this or not? If I, am I going to share this nasty meme or not? Am I going to take the bait with the comment on Facebook or not? Am I going to pile on the kid at school or not? If you are the kid getting piled on, am I, I going to take revenge or not? I mean, we have, it's all these thousands of tiny decisions every day. So let's set our minds right from the start. And lastly, I would offer you this prayer. Um, we tried to fit this all on one slide if you want to take a photo of it. And this is, this is uh, a simple thing that I'd invite you to do every day when you wake up. So let's have this up on the screen. I'll give you a sec to, to snap it. Let me last service. Well, I turn off my phone so it doesn't go off. So you had to give me a minute. So I thought that was very considerate. And I'd love for us to just pray this together. And this is how we'll, we'll end our message today. You ready? Let's say this together. Holy God, thank you for the truth you revealed in Jesus Christ. Help me to stand firm and hold to your teachings. Give me the wisdom to perceive what is right and the strength to do it today. And everybody said, amen. amen.